Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Um, announce something that's super exciting to me. So the month of November, a lot of people like to focus on Thanksgiving. So guess what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to do that and we're calling it thankful every day. We're going to have some type of activation or opportunity for all of us to be thankful as a body. We need to be thankful every day anyway, right? Yes. So we're going to have different opportunities for for us to do that. And one of those things is we want to be, um, we want to show gratitude or we want to show love. I'll say it that way. We want to show love to people that might not have a coat. So we have a, um, a coat hanger out there that is gonna, I would love for it to be filled up with coats that we're gonna give to people in the city of Louisville that don't have a coat. What's so cool is one of the young ladies that used to be a part of APO, which some of y'all might know what, that is, know what that is, but Danica Davis was the founder and president of APO, which was a sisterhood for young girls to encourage them in the Lord and to let them know who they are in Christ and who he is in them. It was a, a beautiful ministry and there are still some girls that are uh, affected by that today. Anyway, one of the young ladies, her name is Jasmine, and she's married now with some kids, and she reached out to me, and she said, hey, I'm doing a coat drive, and I would love if you would donate some coats so that we can give to people that do not have coats in the city of Louisville. And I was like, perfect opportunity for Awakening Church to get involved in something that's happening in the city of Louisville. So, if you have gently used coats, or if you'd like to buy brand new coats, that's fine as well. You can bring them here for the whole month of November. So for every Sunday that we're here, there's going to be the coat rack out there, and I'm going to have some hangers on it. Just bring those coats and hang them up on that, and I'm going to take them to Jasmine so that she can distribute them to the people in the city that need a coat. Does that sound like a good idea? Amen. All right, so that's one of the things. Something else that we're going to do is I want us to, to be active in our thanksgiving to people around us. Um, actually, gratitude, it's another study that I've read, gratitude actually makes us healthier. It like affects our body. And so I want us to be actively thankful every single day. You're going to see things on social media. If you do not like us on Facebook, you can go to Facebook and like Awakening Church Louisville. If you don't follow us on Instagram, again, go to Instagram and follow Awakening Church Louisville. We are also on Twitter. So all the social media platforms, well, not all of them. We don't do Snapchat and TikTok, although that'd be fun too. <laughs> TikTok, could you imagine? Anyway. So we have those three platforms that we would love for you to engage with us every single day. We're going to be putting things out for you to, um, you know, post a comment or maybe a picture. But something that we're asking you to do is we're going to give out sticky notes right now. Everybody's going to get a few sticky notes. Our ushers are going to pan them out to every person in here. And so what we're going to do with sticky notes is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what kind of um, encouraging word or a word of thanksgiving or gratitude can you write on that and put in public places so you might go to the post office to be take your your mail put it 
you know, on the door where it says, smile, God loves you, or I'm thankful for you, or yeah, you're important. Whatever it is that you feel Holy Spirit is telling you to do, you might be going to a public restroom. Put it on the stall so that they can see something that will bring a smile to their face. We want to spread gratitude and thanksgiving across the city of Louisville. So this is your opportunity, a tangible way to put it out there. I mean, it could be your school. It could go, you could be at Walmart and put it on the, put a coupon on the spaghetti sauce with a sticky note that says, here's a dollar off. You're welcome (laughs) or something. You ask Holy Spirit and you be active across the city of Louisville. There's going to be many other opportunities for us to be thankful. So this is what we're doing um, right now. And like I said, please look at our Instagram and our Facebook for other opportunities for you to give. You know, some ideas that you could do throughout the month would be maybe to bake some cookies and take it to the police department. Or maybe you could bake a cake and take it to nurses in the emergency room or to labor and delivery or the EMTs or other public services just so that they know that we're grateful for what they do. Because a lot of times people that are public servants don't really get a whole lot of thanksgiving sometimes they get yelled at and they're the ones that people don't like but we want to bless them in the name of the lord and so what we're hoping is that this creates community engagement and we're not just thankful for other people but my prayer is that this engages the heart of god to the community that we're thankful for what he's done and we want to tell others about what he's done so hashtag thankful every day be looking in your email and other things for other opportunities for us to give as a matter of fact next week we want to be thankful to Heather Braden and Jessica Lawson they give their time they're our staff members and we want to take some time out next week to thank them so please come and be prepared to participate in thanking them amen awesome so one more announcement that is this Friday night, November 8th, you should have been contacted by an awakening group pastor, David Mullins or Stephanie Lawson, to invite you to an awakening group gathering this Friday night. If you have not received that and you would like to, please lift your hand. Awesome. We'll, we'll get you on the list and get you in an, an awakening group because we want everybody to, to participate in this. This is not something that we're trying to tax your time, take from you, but we are trying to build healthy kingdom family. How many are so thankful for what David preached to us last week? so good. Like it's been something that we've been chewing on and just so thankful for. And it's it's inspired us to want to be connected to the body of Christ even more. So November the 8th, it's a Friday night at the respective places. Hopefully you've been invited. I know everybody's been invited except for Colette, (laughs) but we're working on it. (laughs) We're working on it. So um, be a part of awakening groups and there'll be more information as we move forward about other things that we're going to do. All right. Awesome. Well, now we're going to take the time to bless these beautiful babies. So if you are dedicating your baby, would you come up to the front and you can bring as much as your family and friends with you that would like to stand with you to uh, stand in support and love with you as we dedicate these sweet babies.
Man. We're going to wait. We, we had a third baby that was going to be dedicated, but she's battling RSV. So we'll have to pray for the Davis family, little JL. This is amazing. It's one of my favorite things to do. Isn't this beautiful? This is amazing. I'm going to try and get out of the pictures for now. So good. So good. I absolutely love this opportunity. And so today we are dedicating Saley Sipa Singogo. I did, I did that right, right? Okay. And Esther Marie Benavidez Martinez. And uh, so we're we're so excited for this opportunity. Um, I'm going to read a few scriptures over these babies, okay? And uh, then we're going to make some declarations over them. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Children are God's love gift. They are heaven's generous reward. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. Happy will be the couple who has many of them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. 1 Samuel 1, 27 for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my, me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Luke 2.22. This, this is where we see the New Testament appropriation for dedication. After Mary's days of purification had ended... It was time for her to come to the temple with a sacrifice, according to the law of Moses after the birth of her son. So Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to be dedicated before the Lord. Baby dedication does not assure salvation, but it is a prophetic declaration that all the days of the child's life, they will be set apart to the Lord. So today... We dedicate these babies to be raised without fear and without anxiety. Everything needed to bring these arrows into their intended purpose is within your grasp. We dedicate them to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We dedicate them to be rooted in home and to be part of a kingdom family that builds a structure that will host presence forever. They will know the glory of the Lord as their protection. They will prophesy and lay hands on the sick. They will declare the word of the Lord. They will burn for God all the days of their lives. They will bring nations to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they will be like trees planted by living waters 
and their leaves will not wither, but will produce fruit in every season. So we make these declarations over Saley and over Esther and over your family. And we say that we join you as kingdom family in praying for your family, for your babies, for your arrows that we know will impact culture. They will be creators and architects of culture in this nation and nations around the world. If you'd like to join in that declaration, I'm going to ask you to stand and just stretch your hand this way. We're going to pray for these families and these babies. Yeah, just stretch your hand this way. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful for the opportunity to declare prophetically the dedication of these babies into your hands. God, we know that you are the creator of life, and so today we bless Saley. We bless his mind. We bless his body. We bless him, Father, to know you at an early age. We bless his spirit to walk with you and that the Holy Spirit would be the dominant spirit in his life all the days of his life. God, we bless Esther today. We bless her mind. We bless her body. We say that sickness will stay far from her. We say that she will be dedicated to the Lord all the days of her life, that she will impact nations, and that she will declare the word of the Lord. God, we pray for Eric and Destiny today. We ask, God, that you would grant them peace. God, that you would grant provision in everything that they need as they raise Sam and Esther. And God, we, we pray for Kristen and Charlie. We thank you, God, for what they carry. We thank you, God, for who they are. And we just ask that you would grant everything needed for Kozo and for Saley. God, we ask that you would give them every provision. Lord, that you would fulfill every dream and every vision that's in their hearts to change nations. We trust you, and so we dedicate to you today, Saley and Esther, and we bless their spirits to know you all the days of their life. Amen. 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 All right. So cool. We've got a Bible and a certificate here that we just want to bless them with. And uh, we say, as your kingdom family, if there's anything that we can do, anything that you need, we want to help you and we want to be a part of seeing these beautiful arrows, all of them, all four of them, just come into their intended purpose. Absolutely. Bless you guys. Thanks, man. You're all right.
At this time, if there are any uh, kids that want to go to the uh, equipping center with uh, Mr. Ricky, he's back there waiting on you. You can go with him. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to just give a little bit of instruction on those uh, sticky notes. Make sure that if you write psalms that you're real, real careful about what psalm you write and leave for people. Like, don't leave the one that says, I'm hoping calamity comes to you, <laughs> to your life of ease. You know, David said some stuff like that. So just, just make sure you're real careful uh, with that stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I want to have a, a, a special moment of prayer. I got a text early this morning. Um, Rick Curry texts me and uh, Patrick, his youngest son, and Allie, uh, she, she was pregnant with um, their first grandson, Cash, and they ended up having to do an emergency C-section at 36 weeks uh, in the middle of the night. And so uh, baby Cash is in the NICU, and so we, he asked, would we pray? And so I, I want us to do that. I just want us to uh, uh, lift them up in prayer. And uh, also, we've already spent some time this morning praying for the elections that are coming up on Tuesday. But let, let's just do that again. Can we do that? Can we just engage right now in prayer? Let's just bow our heads and, and go after that for a little bit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful that we can call on you. We're thankful that you're a healer. We're thankful, God, that you are the one who brings healing because of your stripes. Come on, lift your voice. Help me pray. Father, we just ask right now that you would go into the NICU where baby Cash is right now and that you would bring healing, that every bit of development that needs to happen would happen quickly. There would be acceleration. God, we pray for Allie. We ask that you would grant her quick recovery, that you would bless her. God, that you would, you would just open every door for healing and recovery for that baby. Father, we ask that for Briston and Kari as well, uh, who are a part of our kingdom family. God, uh, Briston and Kari's baby two months early had to be taken just a couple of days ago. So Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that development would come uh, for baby Caleb as well, that you would uh, minister to them and, and as they go through this time, we know that you're the creator of life and we trust you to bring healing to these babies. We thank you. God, for, for technology and, and medicine and doctors that can do things, but we ask that you would go above and beyond what they're able to do, God, and that you would bless both of these families by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we ask for the elections on Tuesday that righteousness would reign in our state specifically and in this nation. God, we're asking that people, that, that Christians would vote according to moral conscience. God, I'm asking that we would see a trend in the polls that righteousness exalts a nation. So God, I'm asking that you would just release into this state, God, another awakening. God, I'm asking just as this state was uh, instrumental in the second great awakening, that you would just begin to release that and let it start in our government as well. God, we're trusting you and we believe you and we're asking for righteousness to reign in our government. God, we ask for an end of abortion in our nation. We ask you to end that horrible thing in this nation. And so, God, we say start with Kentucky in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, one, one really quick thing. Let me just mention this. Um, we send out text messages. We talk about that all the time. If you're on our text uh, list, you get text messages and updates. The, the short code was changed 
yesterday. I don't know if you all saw that. Those of you who got that text message, it came from a different number, and so I didn't want it to freak you out. But um, real easy, just go in and, and mark that short code. I think the previous short code started with a nine. This one starts with an eight, and you can just put in Awakening Church in your contacts, and um, it, it, you'll be able to uh, know that it's us that's texting you. I know sometimes you get weird numbers, especially around this time. I get three or four calls a day, multiple texts about, you know, all of the tech, uh, you know, stuff with the election. And, um, and I'm pretty good about it at first. After the first, you know, five times they call me, I'll talk to them. And, uh, but then it gets a little redundant. So I just want you to know that that is us. That number was changed. It is awakening. And we always try to identify ourselves first. Amen. All right. I'm really excited to, to speak today, and I, I don't plan to be long at all. Um, I, I do have some things that I want to say. I don't, don't intend to uh, preach a sermon per se. Um, m- my hope is that I never really do that. My hope is that it's a message from the Lord. Um, but I feel something prophetic stirring in me, and I have for some time. And so I just want to kind of share out of the overflow of what I feel like the Lord is saying to my heart today. And uh, eventually we'll end up in uh, Proverbs chapter 29. Uh, but but I just want to talk about a few things. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I believe it was October the 20th maybe. Let me see. I've got it in here somewhere. Yeah, October the 20th, there was a real visitation that happened in our service and uh, really just began to hear the Lord talk to us and and say some things. And so I just want to share with you some of what uh, he was talking to me about. And I know that there were others of you that the Lord really began to talk to because you shared that with me. And so I want to give uh, just some prophetic direction of where I see awakening going, what I see coming uh, for us in the coming year, and uh, just moving into some things um, that that the Lord is wanting to do. I, I heard a couple of phrases, and the first one that I heard on October the 20th was this phrase, understanding the stewardship of a moment. The stewardship of a moment. Uh, the stewardship of a moment is really what separated John the Baptist from every other person in the Bible. You know, you, you remember that story. Jesus said that there's never been a man born of woman greater than than John the Baptist. So included in all of that had to have been Abraham and Moses and Jacob and all of that, you know, pre-kingdom, pre-crucifixion, everything was included there. And so Jesus says, there's never been a man that was born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist. But then he says this, he says, but the greatest, but the least in the kingdom will be greater than him. Jesus is prophesying of a coming kingdom, a a coming movement that would happen. But here's why I believe that Jesus said that about John the Baptist. It was that John knew how to steward the moment that he was in. Everyone to that point had said, there is a Messiah coming. There is one that's going to come. There's somebody that's going to come and they're going to help us. They're going to make the transition. They all talked about what was coming. John had the foresight and the ability to say, here, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was not saying he's coming. He was not saying there's a Messiah one day down the road that will bring change to us. He was able in the moment to say, this is what's happening right now. And one of the things that I think is so important for us to understand is that when God releases supernatural moments to us, when he releases supernatural things, that we know how to steward that in the moment. 
We spend a lot of time in Awakening talking about generational legacy, and I love that. But one of the things that's going to help us in building generational legacy is to understand the moment that we're in right now and what we have the ability to affect right now. You ever catch those moments with, with those of you that have children, you ever catch those moments with your kid where there's this little thing that happens and maybe they'll ask you to do something and you don't necessarily feel like doing it, right? Uh, you know, it's been a long day and they, they, they want you to play or they, they want you to do this. And, and every once in a while, there's this little check that comes and says, you know, you better do that right now. You, you ever had that? You ever had that? I still get that. Even with my kids that are, that are living, you know, in, in California, there, there's, there's really not much that will keep me from picking up the phone when they call. They, they have some access that other people don't have, right? It's because I want to make sure that I steward the moment that I have because I've been called to steward their hearts, do you understand what I'm saying? So just to give a practical example to what I'm talking about, the stewardship of a moment is really important. We can get into places specifically in the body of Christ, and we have, where we fall into routine, right? And, and here's what happens. Familiarity breeds routine, and familiarity also breeds dishonor. And sometimes we miss the appropriate moment to honor what it is that the Lord is trying to do. And I'm not just talking about in a service. I'm talking about out in, in the culture. We miss the appropriate amount of honor because we're not stewarding that moment correctly. And we, we become as if it's just normal. Right? So, so I, I remember a story in the Bible where Jesus goes to uh, Simon's house, and many theologians believe it's Simon the leper, the leper that he would have healed. Simon's having a big party. Jesus comes in, and to Simon, it's really no big deal that Jesus is there. And then a woman of reputation comes in, begins to wash his feet with her tears, dry them with her hair, and Simon freaks out because this lady of rep reputation is ruining his party. The difference is Simon was having a party, and this lady thought Jesus was the party. And, and, and so what, what happens is Jesus begins to tell Simon, listen, you didn't even wash my feet when I came in. You didn't give me a kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. All of these things were customary things that would have been happening at that time when a guest entered the house. It was no big deal that Jesus was there. He didn't know how to steward the moment. He didn't know how to honor that correctly. And so what the Lord really began to talk to me about is being able to steward the moment where he comes in like a flood. Why? Because, you know, I, I've said this a few weeks ago. I want us to begin to understand that 15 seconds in the glory has the ability to erase 15 years worth of labor. We, I can tell by the way that we respond that we don't even know how to comprehend that, or I'm not sure if we even believe it. But I'm telling you that there are things that happen when you get into the glory of God that you can work years and years and years to see happen that will not happen. That's why I'm telling you, I have faith for your lost loved ones because I know as we continue to steward an environment where the glory of God is available, then everything that has happened, that's why he says you can renew your mind, you can renew time, and we've got to get to the place to where we really believe that his glory has the ability to change things. Amen. And so John the Baptist had the ability to steward this moment that was happening because Jesus is coming to be baptized. I want you to catch this though. He stewarded the moment while he was in the wilderness. And so this, this is kind of what I just felt the Lord say as I was writing these notes down. He did not put his head in the sand though he was in the wilderness. 
See, what happens is sometimes we allow environments to happen to us and we don't happen to environments. When, when, you, when you allow an environment to happen to you, you move into that place of being one of the moody Christians. It's really sad that, that Christians in America are some of the most moody people there are. What's it prove? It proves that we really don't believe that we can move from glory to glory and faith to faith. It really means that we think we have some glory, but then we got to go into a valley. And that valley is going to produce more glory, and I'll get to that top. And then i am got to go through another one to produce something else. That's not the way of the kingdom. Jesus never walked in and out of deliverance. He never walked in and out of glory. He never walked in and out of presence. It was just something that was perpetual in his life. And over and over, we see it experienced. And he never had to wait for his hand to tingle so he could lay hands on people. He never had to wait for his leg to shake to know that, that his father was proud. You, you understand what I'm saying? Some of the stuff that we've messed with, I, we, ain't, we don't really want to talk about it, but it's the truth, you know. God's moving now because I can feel it in my right hand. Listen, Jack, he was moving before you ever felt that in your right hand. And, and so we've got to learn to steward a moment. Are you all okay today? Hallelujah. Definition of stewardship, the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, specifically the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. God doesn't show up and not have plans to make things change. He never shows up and not have a plan for something to change. Every time he comes into a room, every time he comes into a situation and you feel that situation change because of the power of God, it's because he intends for that thing to change and begin to look like the kingdom. Every miracle that you see in the Bible was an outward manifestation of Jesus changing something in the culture. Every, go read the miracles of Jesus. Why did he heal on the Sabbath day? Because the religious people of that day had built up this idea that everything is a checklist and it's a rule and it's this and it's that. And Jesus is proving I don't stop being Messiah on Sabbath day and I don't stop doing this. And so he's breaking up the ability to compartmentalize. And what happens when the body of Christ begins to compartmentalize things, then we're walking in glory as long as we're in this part of the compartment. But if we step out of that, then we move and, and we're doing this up and down thing again. And so we've got to learn to steward moments. Hallelujah. The blending or adaptation into the fabric of the culture is a lie that the enemy has sold to the church. The blending or adaptation into the fabric of the culture is a lie that the enemy has sold to the church. And here's the problem. We bought the lie. And we paid for it by abandoning the fundamental encounters that birthed the church in Acts chapter 2. That's how we paid for it. We did this. Watch this, man. I'm telling you. There, there's times that I come in here and I tell you, hey, this is, I, I think you ought to listen to it. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you something right now. I'm telling you something. We bought and paid for this lie by abandoning the foundational encounters that birthed the church in Acts 2. We did this because we felt as though we needed to blend or adapt in order to survive. We felt like we needed to blend or adapt to the culture in order to survive. Though survival has never been in jeopardy. Right. 
Hello, Elijah. I'm the only one left. I'm in this cave. Come on, go back and read the story of what Elijah did. That brother gets called and immediately is escorted into the king's chambers. When's the last time that happened, that you had an audience with the king? And then, because the word of the Lord comes to pass in Elijah's life and what he's saying, he runs to a cave because Jezebel says, I'm going to do to you worse than what you did to my prophets when all he did was pray. And so he has the voice of the king. He has the audience of the king to tell him it's not going to rain. He leaves, goes to the cave, and begins to whine to God because he says, I'm the only one that's left. And God says, no, you're not. There's another 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. The church has never been in a place where God was nervous, where we're going to survive. The idea, here's the thing, survival's never been in jeopardy. But the idea of a thriving, prevailing kingdom seeing nothing more than a fairy tale and a forgotten reality. When in fact, the kingdom has always been within reach, or better stated, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what happens in this, in this culture that we live in right now. There's this misrepresentation of Jesus in our culture. How many of you would agree with that? Would you agree that there's a misrepresentation of Jesus? Part of that we have to take responsibility for as the body of Christ. We have to. And part of it was because we were trying to figure out how to move and how to weave. And listen, I'm not suggesting that things aren't difficult and some of the stuff is hard that we deal with. But, but when, when you really read this book, when you really read this book, you find out that there are some absolutes that Jesus established. And one of them was that he didn't come to bring peace. Read it. Matthew chapter 10. They're questioning him on this stuff. Why are you doing it? Listen, I didn't come to bring peace. He said, I actually came to bring a sword. Because I, I came to bring a sword because what you're doing in the culture right now is completely out of line with what the Father and I talked about before time ever began. That messes with me every time I think about it. You understand that? You understand that he was the lamb, according to Revelation chapter 13, that was slain before the foundation of the earth. You understand that there were conversations that were happening about you and about me and about this time in history before time was ever being measured. Who are we to think that it's going to fail and we're not going to be able to survive in what he's doing? Right? And so Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And so what he, and you can go on and read that. He said, there, there, I, I came to find out are people really after what I'm doing? Watch this. The identifying marks of a peculiar people have never been rescinded. Throughout history, there have been a un, unique, peculiar people that have sparked moves of God because they were not concerned with blending or adapting to the status quo. People like Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. How many of you ever heard of Zinzendorf? If you've been around here for a while, you probably have. Zinzendorf was the man who pioneered the missions and prayer movement in Hernhut in the 1700s. That brother was peculiar. There were some people who called him the beast of apocalypse. There were other people that called him a false prophet. He was banished from Saxony in 1736. And then about 13 years later, 
after they had seen what happened in Hernhut with the Moravian prayer movement, the government, the culture, went to Zinzendorf and said, please come back into our jurisdiction and establish settlements just like you did in Hernhut. You know what we got from Hernhut, right? We got the, the, the missions and the prayer movement together. We, we, got, we got the phrase that said, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering as two, Moravians, uh, as two Moravian men are selling themselves into slavery so that they can take the gospel into a territory that had not received Jesus yet. They literally sold themselves into slavery. And one of the Wesley brothers, John Wesley, happened to be on that boat who struggled with faith his whole life. Even though he was a catalyst in the first great awakening, he struggled with the idea of faith. And he sees these two Moravian slaves, Jesus' name, on a boat. And he looks at them as they look back to their family and say, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. Selling themselves into slavery because they were not willing to blend in and adapt to the fabric of the culture. The fabric of the culture. Seriously, I could keep going. Jeremiah Lamphere. Jeremiah Lamphere, 49 year old man in 1857. The nation is fading from the results of the Second Great Awakening. You know, the Second Great Awakening started in Kentucky at the Red River Meeting House, moved over to Cane Ridge, and then exploded throughout the nation. It affected our nation in an amazing way. But in about 1857, a little bit before, it starts waning. It starts waning. Everything starts fading away. And Jeremiah Lamphere, a businessman, an ordinary businessman in what is now lower Manhattan, is set apart as a lay missionary. It's really important that you understand that. He was not clergy. And in that time, it was really important. And he says, I'm not going to let... This thing fade because I've experienced something. And at 12 o'clock every day in a blossoming community in New York, at 12 o'clock every day, he went to the old North Dutch church and he had a prayer meeting. And it was called the Fulton Street Prayer Revival. Why? Because he refused to adapt to a culture that said we have to fade and we have to wane into the things that God is doing. What about Daniel Nash? And Abel Clary. Daniel Nash and Abel Clary. Most of you all probably don't even know who that is. But I bet you if I, if I mention Charles Finney, you know who Charles Finney is, right? You know who Daniel Nash and Abel Clary were? They called Daniel Nash the prevailing prince of prayer. They called him the prevailing prince of prayer because whenever Finney was going into a community, Daniel Nash would go and he would oftentimes bring Abel Clary with him and spend days, if not weeks, laying on his face praying for what the Lord was about to do when Charles Finney came to have revival in this place. Just an ordinary guy who was moved by the power of the Holy Spirit not to blend and adapt into culture and would go in and give him himself to the place of prayer so that the move of God could come and completely change a community. Do you know it was said of Charles Finney that in a, in a time, in an era where there were no sound systems, there was no social media, there was no telecommunication, that he would preach 
And over 500,000 souls came into the kingdom as a result of Charles Finney. And he would literally preach to thousands on a hillside, and they could hear his voice projected even as far as a mile away. They weren't willing to adapt. They weren't willing to fade into the fabric of the culture. These are just a few. I, I, I mean, seriously, we could, we could keep going. But these are a few of the people who understood the stewardship of a moment. And I hear the Lord asking us this question. What will the history books say of our generation? And what, what will they say of what we have been given? What will our children and our grandchildren know about what we have experienced in the presence of God? What will Louisville, what will Kentucky, what will the nation look like in the coming years? Or are we content with where we are? Is it left to someone else? Or do we really believe this book that said that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in our mortal bodies? Come on, man. Hallelujah. What will we do with what we've been given? Here's what I say. I say we make way for the king. I say we make way for the king, and I say that we will continue to declare that we are the generation that will usher in the third great awakening. Listen, standing out is not about acting or looking weird. It's more about not being easily moved by the ebbs and flows of culture and doctrine that are contrary to the word of God or leading of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Just because a doctor's report says it doesn't look good doesn't mean that he's not on the throne any longer. Hallelujah. All right, so the stewardship of a moment. You okay? I'm almost done. Here's, Here's the next thing I heard the Lord say on the 20th. Standing up here. I heard him say, take the governor off. Take the governor off. A governor is something that will restrict the flow of fuel so as to limit the speed of something in motion. Here's the actual definition. It's a device automatically regulating the supply of fuel, steam, or water to a machine, ensuring uniform motion or limiting speed. Let me read it again. It's a device automatically regulating the supply of fuel, steam, or water to a machine, ensuring uniform motion or limiting speed. I hear the Lord talking to the body of Christ saying, take the governor off. Take the thing off that has limited speed. Take the thing off that has caused us to move in uniform with a corrupt culture. Take off the governor. Take off the thing that is limited, limiting us. This has been a tactic of the enemy that, that um, he has used to deceive the body into accepting less than what God has intended for his son's bride. He really did. You understand what a governor is? Does everybody know? Let me give you a practical example of that. So we used to we used to help run a camp in Lexington, and we had this guy there. Anybody old enough in here to know who MacGyver is? Y'all know who MacGyver is? MacGyver could fix anything with a paper clip and a piece of gum. And I used to think that that was fake Hollywood stuff until I met Gene Chapman. And Gene, so so we all had these golf carts that we would ride around in, and they had governors on them so that we couldn't go very fast. Well, when the kids would go to bed at camp, Gene came out with a rubber band and a paper clip, I kid you not. 
And he pulled back the governor. And as responsible adults leading a camp, David Mullins and I would line up on the middle path and we would race that thing down into a wet field and then start spinning. But it's a lie about it being uniform speed because David always went faster than I did because <laughs> he wasn't carrying as much weight as I was. But I'm serious. We would remove the governor. We would pull the governor off. Well, Gene would pull the governor off. And I mean, we would open those golf carts wide open. And we would leave it like that because then the kids, because the, the real athletic kids, they thought they were so cool that they could catch up with us and run with the golf cart. And so we would just drive along during the day and they'd come running, trying to throw water at us. And all of a sudden, zoom, we would, I mean, we just left them. And they were like, what in the world happened? Because the governor was removed. And here's what I hear the Lord saying, that the enemy has sold us a bill of goods that has placed a governor on the, the, the amount of power that we feel like we have the ability to, to, to release. And most of the time it's tied to what we believe about ourselves and not fully what we believe that God can do through us. Watch this, watch this. We use these things, we use governors every day in life to establish boundaries. And a lot of times it will sound like this, I will only go this far. This is my limit. That's all I'll do and then I'm done. The issue is we've also put that into things of the spirit. We've applied governors to our lives in the spirit, and we've set limits on how far we will go in vulnerability, in worship, community, and service to God. And many times these can be a result of hurt, unforgiveness, immaturity, former systems, broken promises. We could go on and on. But I believe this is what the Lord is saying, that he is giving us a grace and availability to remove the governor that has hindered forward motion. We're moving into an acceleration. In the last two months of this year, I'm sorry, in the last two months in this body, we have been able to witness multiple healings, financial breakthroughs, and other miraculous activity in and out of our kingdom family. Here's what I hear the Lord saying. This is to become norm, the normal expression of the kingdom at work through us. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 29, 18 from the Passion Translation. I hope we can get that up there. Proverbs 29, 18 Are we close? I want you all to see this. You're going you're gonna to know the scripture, but I, I want you to see a depth in there of, of, of what it is. Look how dramatic that was. Look, the light just started coming. And any moment now, there are going to be words on that slide. I'm declaring it right now. <laughs> I have it here and I can read it, but I'm telling you it's about to happen. Proverbs 29, 18. Boom, told you. Look here. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the Lord, heaven's bliss fills your soul, right? Without vision, people what? Perish and cast off restraint. There's a deeper word there. There's a deeper word in what he's saying where there is no prophetic vision. I want you to catch this. The Hebrew word there that's actually used can refer to vision, of the night, dream, oracle, or revelation. The Septuagint, the Septuagint, you know what that is? The Septuagint is the Greek form of the Old Testament, okay? Says it like this, where there is no prophetic seer or interpreter, people wander astray. Why is that important? 
At the end of 2018, I spoke to our body, our family, about not looking past 2019. Anybody remember that? You remember me talking about that? Not looking past the seemingly insignificant year of 2019. Why? Because people have been prophesying since I don't even know when that 2020 is going to be the year of clear vision. All right, that prophetic word has been going, and, and I, I, I in no way want to suggest that that's not something that people are hearing, okay? But here's what the Lord told me. He said, you cannot look past 2019 in an attempt to get to 2020. Even though it may be a seemingly insignificant year, there are things that are going to happen. This is what he said. <clears throat> this, this is what he told me. This is what I read to you guys. I believe God is, is going to open our eyes to concepts that are going to unveil some mysteries of heaven that we have been waiting for. I believe in 2019 we are going to experience some finalies. What has been veiled will finally be unveiled. And there were several other things that I said but then I said this, finally, I will have heaven's perspective. Now, if you've spent any time with me, you know that perspective is something that the Lord has been talking to me about for about 10 to 12 years, okay? I've been talking about perspective. The, the Lord completely changed my mind on some things when I read about the wedding at Cain of Galilee in John 2, and the Bible says that Jesus manifested his glory and the disciples believed him. That word glory, there's the word doxa. We understand it to mean majesty. We understand, but the third definition is that Jesus, Jesus demonstrated his view or his perspective of the situation. And it began to open some things up that, that the key for us is to be able to gain heaven's perspective and see it from Jesus' perspective. Here's what the Lord began to speak to me on October the 9th of this year. I was in Pensacola, Florida, just asking the Lord, what is it that you're saying about the coming year? And this is what he said. The way you receive things is tied to the way you perceive things. 2020 is not just about clear vision. Again, I want you to hear me. I'm not speaking any dishonor on anybody who has said that 2020 is the year of, of, of clear vision, okay? I honor that. I honor what they're saying. For what he's saying to us in this moment and what I feel like he's saying for this region, it's not just about 2020 vision, okay? Are you, are you good? Yeah. It's not just about 2020 vision. It's about clear perception, this is why 2019 has been so important. You have to be able to rightly discern and perceive what you see. You have to be able to rightly discern and perceive what you see. You and I can look at things, we'll look at the same thing and have different perspectives. And that's okay. That's great. I love that. I love the diversity. But what he's saying is at some point we have to be able to look with the eyes of the spirit and be able to see exactly what it is that he's doing in the moment. If not, we will miss, we will miss what the Lord is trying to do and we will miss our ability to steward the moment that he's releasing to us if we do not perceive it correctly. Are you okay? Are, are y'all bored today? You good? All right. May the 9th, 2016, in a prayer meeting, the Lord said this. He began to talk to me about the gate beautiful. I really am almost done, but I'm, I, I got I to give you this. 
He began to talk to me about the gate beautiful. The word horairos is the word beautiful in the Greek, and it's from the root word aura, meaning timely or in season. Here's what he said. Beauty is a result of timing. What may not be beautiful now, when the right time or the right season comes, beauty is able to be realized. In Acts chapter 3, verse 2, there's a man who's laying lame at the gate beautiful. Right? He had a terrible, ugly problem, but when Peter and John came by, he left with a different perspective. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Immediately, his perception is changed because the timing has changed. That could literally, the, be- the gate beautiful could literally be translated. I'm saying literally a lot. My wife told me the other day, Ryan, you say literally a whole lot. I'm working on that. I'm working on that because, and it, she wasn't being mean. It just, she literally was trying to help me. See what I did there? I'm catching, I catch those things. The gate beautiful could be translated the right time gate. But if we don't perceive correctly what's happening we can miss the right time because we think something is or is not beautiful in the moment. I believe that where I am personally, the Lord is saying, this is what I wrote back in in 2016. I believe for where I am personally, the Lord is saying that my estimation of what is beautiful has more to do with timing than actual circumstance. Guys, we got to be able to perceive exactly what the Lord is doing. Okay? Here we go. May 27th, 2016. Listen, if you don't go back and look at your journals or look at the things that the Lord has spoken to you, you are missing an amazing amount of encouragement. I go back and I look at these things in dates and I'm like, man, I was in a prophetic swirl at different times in my life. And and there are moments that I can remember. I don't even have to look back. I remember the spring of 2009. In, In the spring of 2009, there was a moment where I would get up in the morning and it would literally be difficult for me to even speak English. The power of the Holy Spirit was on me. There, there are moments that I can go back and I can say, okay, this was a prophetic swirl. 2017, the middle of 2017 was a crazy prophetic time for Rebecca and I. And we were in some of the most difficult battles that we had ever been in in our life. And the Lord decided in a room of 12,000 people to give the prophet of God my phone number. The videos on Facebook, I'm at the call in Cleveland, Ohio, 12, 10 to 12,000 people in the room. And Sean Bowles says, I'm just going to try this. I've got a phone number. And he begins to recite my phone number. Never met the guy in my life. He begins to recite my phone number and then prophesy to us for about five minutes. And, and I could go on and on. There, there, that whole year was just a crazy thing. Go back and look at what the Lord has said over your life, because guess what? He watches over it to perform it. He watches over it to perform it. Okay, here we go. May 27th, 2016. This is what I heard him say. The wind in the mulberry trees. The Lord is saying to look and listen for the wind and let the wind do the work. 
Let the wind do the work. May 31st, 2016. We must be able to discern the shift of the wind. Navigation is affected by the wind. If the shift in the wind is not properly discerned, the destination can be missed. The oar is no match for the wind. Some of you all that were with us will remember, we went through this whole time, this whole season of saying, put the oar back in the boat. Stop trying to row where you're going. Put your sail up and let the wind direct you where, where, where it is that he wants to take you. And there's some great, great revelation that the Lord gave us about this. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. I want you to catch this. Navigation is affected by the wind. If the shift in the wind is not properly discerned, the destination can be missed. The oar is no match for the wind. Here's what the Lord began to say, connecting everything that I just talked to you about, where there is no prophetic seer. Can we throw that back up there? Where there is no prophetic seer, where there is no prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. When you really study that out, what it means is if there's no one who has a correct perception of what the Holy Spirit is releasing, then people wander astray. But if you move to the real revelation of the word of the Lord, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Why is this important? This is important because the wind is blowing. Come on, I want you to hear me today. The wind is blowing. The wind is blowing and we have to be able to perceive it correctly or it will look like destruction. I want you to listen to me. We have to be able to perceive the blowing of the wind or it will look like destruction. I heard the Lord saying as I was writing this, we must prepare for the wind that brings the shaking like Acts chapter 2. We must prepare for the wind that brings a shaking just like it did in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And the place was shaken and the Holy Spirit descended upon them with cloven tongues like as a fire. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is releasing some things to this body, to this city, and this room region and we have to be able to see it correctly if we do not have prophetic vision and people in our lives who can interpret what it is that the Lord is saying to give us clear perception we will miss our ability to steward the moment how many times do you think Zinzendorf wanted to give up after being banished how many times do you think that he wanted to give up after saying, hey, let's start a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week seven prayer meeting for 100 years, and let's just see what happens? How many times do you think he wanted to give up? How many times do you think that Jeremiah Lamphere looked at what was happening in this nation and in New York and said, I can't do it one more day, but he kept going because he was able to perceive what the Lord was doing? How many, how many of the five? 500,000 people that came in to the kingdom were a result of Daniel Nash and Abel Clary and not a result of what Finney said. I'm telling you, you've got to be able to discern what it is that the Lord is doing. And he's giving us this ability right now to steward a moment. He's given us the ability to steward a moment and to take off the governor so that we can perceive what it is that he's doing. Come on, let's just close our eyes right now. Just bow your heads. Just bow your head right now. Jesus. Jesus. Give us your eyes. Give us your eyes. 
Give us the ability to perceive. Give us the ability to see from heaven's perspective. Give us the ability to see your grace. Give us the ability to see what it is. Give us the ability to see and to understand. Come on, if this gets to any of you, if this gets to you and you just say, I need to respond, come on, it's open right now. Just respond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We cannot let the environment cause us to put our head in the sand. We cannot let what's happening around us cause us to miss what it is that he's releasing in this moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus. 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 Give us eyes to perceive. Give us eyes to perceive exactly what heaven is saying. Exactly what heaven is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, now it's in the glory that you begin to prophesy to your family. It's in moments like this that you begin to steward those things that are in your heart that the Lord has been speaking. Those dreams, those dreams that he's given to you. Now is the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, give us a grace to steward moments. God, give us a grace to take the governor off. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.